when it comes to mentorship, I think the young guys really have to find those coaches who want to tell them things they don't want to hear. Search for the people who are going to tell you you're bad at this. Go see this guy who are going to tell you, hey, I'm not good at this, but you know what? I got somebody else who, who can help you with that. You know, and I think it's okay to say I don't know something as a mentor. It's okay to say I don't know something, but I have someone else who's better in this area than I am, and you should seek that information from him. Hello and welcome back or welcome to the Up Close in Personnel podcast show with Alex Brown. I'm your host, Alex Brown, Director of Recruiting with Rice Football. And wow, this episode was phenomenal. Evan Harrington, Assistant Director of Player Engagement with the Washington football team, absolutely brought it this week. For someone who went from playing high school ball in D.C., to playing at the JUCO level, earning a scholarship at Colorado University, coaching in the high school ranks, JUCO ranks, college ranks, NFL ranks, and internationally. We touch on everything. We talked about his role with the Washington football team, his crazy background, and the course over the last nine years working in four different countries, finding and cultivating your mentors, the lessons he's learned throughout his journey, and In addition to talking about mentors and building relationships with people, he dives deep into international recruiting. Europe's Elite, the international recruiting company that he founded and runs to this day. We talk about the different locations of talent and where to find specific types of players in Europe. And he gives us a real recruiting 101 of what to look for, how to approach it, and how important it is to figure out the type of development and type of coaching that these recruits are getting internationally. So this is a great episode for anybody in the industry and anybody just curious about international football because Evan brings such a great perspective having played international ball, won a couple of championships out there, coached at the highest level there, and um, really is just trying to find ways to give back to the game. Before we get started, as always, Please hit the subscribe button, rate the show, share it with someone you know, and help us to continue to grow this thing. We are heading into signing day next week, and um, this has been an awesome experience getting to have these conversations week in and week out. So again, thank you for supporting the show. Continue to share it with people you know. And with that, I'll turn to my conversation with Evan Harrington. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um... Evan, welcome to the show. Appreciate you having me, Coach. So first, before before we get started, got to give a shout out to Marianne, works in our strength conditioning uh, department here with Rice Football. She connected us because y'all work together. I guess before we dive into your story, and it's crazy, all the places you've been in just the last nine years of life, talk about your current role with the Washington football team and uh, how things are going over there in D.C. Well, things are going great. Uh, We had a huge win last night against the Steelers. Uh, Right now, I'm currently the assistant director of player development. And what we do is we handle all the players' uh, issues or solutions or or anything that have you off the field. 
with our rookie class, we have about 25 to 30 classes that we teach them that include financial literacy, healthy relationships, how to be a pro, um, how to use their brand. Uh, we work alongside with the PA and the NFL to make sure they have a smooth transition as they come into the NFL. And then with our veterans, we help them set up an exit plan as they transition from football into everyday life, whether that's real estate, uh, banking, uh, investing, it doesn't matter. We're here to help them off the field as much as we can. And we're the liaison between the coaches and the front office with the players. So the fact that you've taught high school, you coached JUCO, college, NFL, international, worked in and out of football, kind of sets you up pretty perfectly for that type of role where you got to have some base knowledge and, and some expertise in a lot of different areas. Yeah, for sure. And um, I get the luxury of working with Doug Williams. Everyone knows his story, you know, first African-American to win a Super Bowl at the quarterback position. Uh, and Malcolm Blacken, who spent over 30 years in the NFL. And we kind of have a unique situation where we have the grandfather and Doug, uh, we have the father and Malcolm, and then they see me as the big brother. So it, it kind of works, you know, in a great way where no matter what the situation, you go to granddad, you go to pops, or you go to your big bro and you get the solution solved, man. Or, you know, guys just come in and just want to talk, you know, because it's a lot of pressure uh, with these guys coming into the league and, and not only coming here, but staying here. Sometimes we have guys who are only here for a few months and we still keep in contact with those guys and setting them up for lives for their life after football. So we are here to make sure, you know, they're able to make that smooth transition and make sure everything's taken care of off the field. So how does, so I want to start off on, on a different path at this episode. How does a DC kid end up in Santa Clarita, California and talk us through your journey to where you are now? Um, so yeah, I, coming out of high school, uh, academically, it wasn't there. Uh, athletically, I just wasn't good enough at that time to play where I thought I wanted to play. So I had this coach named McClung, Coach McClung, he, John McClung. He's one of the greatest men I've met. And he just would go on rivals.com and would look for guys all day long. And he said he came across my profile. And that spring of my senior year after our season, I flew out to California for a visit to uh, College of the Canyons where I met Coach Garrett Tujay who's currently the offensive line coach at the University of Virginia. Uh, he's kind of like my godfather now. And I spent three years out there uh, working and, and getting better under him. And I was lucky enough to get a scholarship to the University of Colorado. Um, I was recruited there by Brian Cabral, one of the best linebacker coaches to coach in the college game. And thereafter, I went there as a linebacker. We had a coaching change and John Embry, who's with the 49ers, him and Eric Bieniemy came to Colorado and I switched to fullback. And I started my senior year at fullback and was blessed enough to receive a camp invite with the Chargers, spent some time down there, then played a season in Canada and went back to Colorado to finish my degree and was a graduate assistant there as well. And then uh, thereafter, I went up coaching to, in uh, Northern California was coaching high school football at Clayton Valley High School. And I would run with the kids after practice, would do their sprints and I would work out with them when I was their uh, PE teacher. 
And my kids were saying, hey, coach, you ever try to play again? And I'll tell them, no, man, I had no desire at that time. But I had a buddy of mine who was playing in Hamburg, Germany, and he told me to visit a, visit a site called Europlayers. I went on there and got contacted by the Basel Gladiators to play in Switzerland. And I was on the next flight out after that season to Switzerland. And I was just terrified to fly over Atlantic, but <laughs> it was probably the greatest thing that happened to me. I got out there, won a championship there, met my wife that first season. Um, next year, 2015, I should be an old, <laughs> I got invited to play uh, in Frankfurt, Germany, played there, won a championship in Germany. Then uh, I was what, 25 and I just had this itch to coach because every year when I was playing, I would also help coach the youth football teams in those countries as well. And I won a championship coaching the youth teams the same years that I won a championship as a player. So I, I knew coaching was, was in my blood and I was talking with this one coach back in Switzerland and they said, he said, hey, I'm gonna step down because he wanted to start growing his family. And I was 25 and got my first head coaching job. <laughs> got into it way too early as a head coach, didn't know what I was doing, but I was blessed and fortunate to get those three years to learn and get better. And through those three years, I started a camp where I would invite uh, kids from all over Europe to spend a week with us. And we invited NFL coaches to come over to simulate a training camp. And one of my coaches, uh, Rip Shear, who's currently with the Chargers, he said, Evan, you need to get your tail back to America and coach, man. Uh, I, I think you you got what it takes to, to coach. So that year I went back to the States and I did an internship at UVA. And then I saw there was an opening at Independence Community College right after that, uh, that summer. And I asked my wife, I said, hey, do we take this chance? And I was able to take time off from my job in Switzerland. And we spent that season at, in Independence, Kansas. And during that time, I would uh, visit my mentor, Eric Bienemy in Kansas City. And he told me I need to go to the combine. So I went to the combine and I passed my resume out to anyone who would look at me. Even if they wouldn't talk to me, I'd say, hey, I know who that coach is. I gave him my resume. They took it and kept walking. And I ran into uh, Malcolm Blacken and I gave him my resume and he said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm looking for a job. And he said, I might have something with, for you. And that was on Tuesday. And then on that Friday, I interviewed with then our president, Bruce Allen, uh, for the assistant director job that I have now. And then two months later, I got the job. Wow. That's, cra <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. So so you're, you're talking four different countries and you meet your wife and you kind of realize you have that calling of, you know, I, I know I need to coach, mm -hmm. but at the core of, of you, it seems like giving back to the game and, and like helping other people out is kind of at the core, what drives you. Yeah, definitely. Because for me, I know I wouldn't be not only a football player, but I wouldn't be the husband. I wouldn't be the father. I wouldn't be the mentor I am without having these great men enter my life. And I just named a few. Every Father's Day, I text each and every coach who I still have their number from my peewee to high school to junior college. I text them 
happy Father's Day because I consider those guys fathers. I consider those guys mentors. And then I consider them a coach because before you're a coach, you're, you're a father to these young men. You're a mentor to these young men. You're a leader to these young men. Everything that they did off the field is what I admire even more because they were able to have families. They were able to have businesses on the side. They were able to show us, you know, what to do and what not to do, you know, and then they showed us, hey, everything that I taught you on the field, this is, you can apply it to your everyday life. And that's what I like to do. So how do you do it? Because you've got Europe's Elite, which mm -hmm. y'all are doing some awesome things and I'll let you plug your show at the end of this. Um, Obviously, you have your position with the Redskins and you have a family and kids. How do you how do you balance those? I mean, those are three big things in your life. Well, I mean, <laughs> I can attribute that to my father. I see my father wake up every day at five o'clock in the morning, go to one job, finish that job, then go to the next job. And then I see my mother grind her tail off her whole life to work and provide for us. And, you know, I always try to save and it could it could always be worse. And. Another thing, I'm, I'm doing what I love. You know, I'm, I'm coaching football. I'm being a mentor to these guys. And my wife, she's been just been amazing through this whole process. Um, I think when you get into this profession, as if it's coaching or if it's uh, scouting or if it's anything like that, you have to have a partner who understands the grind, who's willing to go through the grind with you. And I had the unique situation where my wife knew nothing about football until she met me. So we're we, every night, you know, last night we're sitting there, we're watching the game and, you know, she's saying, what, what coverage are they in? She's asking me questions because she wants to know. So I come and I talk to her about football. I talk to her about Europe's Elite. She's basically our admin person for my Europe's Elite. And I try to keep her involved as much as possible because, you know, just like my fellow coaches or my fellow employees are my teammates. I got my number one teammate at home, you know, and it it all starts at home, you know. So for all you, you young guys who, you know, getting married or thinking about getting married, make sure you get someone that, that knows what's going on and you share as much as you can. Of course, there's some things we can't share because it's private as far as football with these guys in their life. But as much as I can, I try to share it with my wife to make sure she's involved as much as possible. No, I think that's huge. And for, for me, my wife didn't know much about football either. And so when I get home, I'm able to actually like hit the break button a little bit. I didn't think I would want to go this route, but mentorship is like a huge thing with you mentoring the people in your program at, at Washington, mentoring, you know, the, the young athletes coming up in Europe, but also your connection with people above you that, that you've been learning from. So back to your days at Colorado, when the coaching change happens, Coach Bianami comes in and you switch positions. So, and for people that don't realize what happens, like when you get moved around positions, the other coach that gets you is like, oh, like I'm getting his leftovers, whatever. You develop into a starter, which is awesome. Um, so it sounds like the, the move obviously worked for you. But talk us through that relationship with Coach Bianami and how that's been able to develop over the years because obviously y'all weren't together for a long stretch when you were mm -hmm. overseas and then you come back and you were able to stay in contact enough and really continue building on that that relationship to the point where when you come back you're able to go you know visit with him i'm sure y'all you know talked ball and you learned a ton when you're at india that's a a perfect opportunity for you so 
Talk us through the steps, what that looked like from finishing ball to maintaining that relationship. Because back then, Coach Bienemy wasn't the the number one most talked about coordinator in the NFL. Yeah, so my dad has always taught me, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And he's always, and when I was younger, I didn't get it. He would drop me off, we'd go to church and he'll drop me off at one of his buddy's house. And he's like, I want you to spend time with this guy. And then I want you to spend time with this guy. But now that I'm older, I realized what my dad was doing, he was allowing me to learn from people who knew things he didn't know. And I think that's a huge thing for us as young men and young football coaches or people in the sports industry in a whole. We tend to shy away from people who know more than us. So when Coach Bienemy came at Colorado, I mean, I knew he coached Adrian Peterson. He drafted Adrian Peterson at that time. So, and he was one of the best players to ever play at Colorado. So I knew, hey, I wanted to be coached by this guy. And I thought I had a shot because we were moving more to a West Coast offense. So I went in there every morning. We were there at 5.30 in the morning. I was telling him, hey, we want to get better. So me and my running back, we would make all the guys get there every morning and we want to get better. We would take the time and watch extra film with him. I would just walk in his office and say, coach, what are you doing? And he'd say, I'm watching film. And he would tell me how he watched film, what he did to watch film. And I was always itching and searching for information. When I was in, when I was coaching in Switzerland, I'll never forget, I sent him a Facebook message. I said, coach, I'm having problems in the goal line. You know, can you suggest something for me? And I, I still have this message to this day. It had to be, if I was to put on a Word document, it's probably two pages worth of goal line information and things, what to do and what not to do. And he just takes so much pride and in, in detail in making you the best player ever. Now he's going to get on your ass. And, and I think that's something that a lot of kids don't like. The coaches who get on you the most and who are so far in your tail, man, those are the ones who care, who love, and who want you to be the best possible person you can be. So I was always, like I said, I keep in contact with all my coaches because I want to get better. I see those guys, what they do off the field. I see them take a kid who's a tweener and turn him into a Division One football player in myself. You know, 5'11", you know, 225, not fast enough to play safety, you know, not big enough to play linebacker. And a coach molded me and gave me that confidence to, to be the best person I can be and say, hey, Evan, you can do this if you do X, Y, Z. So when it comes to mentorship, I think the young guys really have to find those coaches who want to tell them things they don't want to hear. Search for the people who are going to tell you you're bad at this. Go see this guy who are going to tell you, hey, I'm not good at this, but you know what? I got somebody else who who can help you with that, you know? And I think it's okay to say, I don't know something as a mentor. It's okay to say, I don't know something, but I have someone else who's better in this area than I am. And you should seek that information from him. Everybody wants to like get that end result of being a great player, but nobody wants to have the uncomfortable, like you really suck at fast pro and, and whatever, <laughs> whatever it may be, or exactly managing your life off the field. So I guess, What's the biggest thing you learned about yourself over these last nine years? Because now you're you're in a you're in a great spot, you know, and 
and you have an opportunity to go a bunch of different routes. You're, you're engaging with the scouting department, with the coaching department, with the administration, with your players. What's one thing you've learned over this entire process in your career? I would say do what you love, do what you love and, and be persistent at it. Um, when I was in Switzerland, I was coaching football, but I also was working for FIFA. And during the daytime, I worked for FIFA and then afternoons, I would coach football. Um, I hated my job <laughs> when I was working for FIFA. I did not like it. Um, and my wife kept telling me, hey, man, you're, you're miserable. I know you need to coach football you know, take the chance and, and do it. And I think that goes again to being uncomfortable. And that's something that, you know, my strength coach, when I was in junior college, he would always say, it, you know, get uncomfortable now, get uncomfortable. And I think something about our journeys, it's always gonna be uncomfortable, but are we gonna fold or are we gonna keep running into that uncomfortableness until we make it comfortable, until we find a solution? or till we find a way to finish it out. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is uncomfortable is good. Uncomfortable, it's good to be uncomfortable because once you get through that little rough patch, man, and you're you're doing what you love, you're very happy, you know? So that's that's my my piece on it. Oh, I love it. It's, it's no different than the uh, whole obstacle is the way kind of mantra. Big thing with you is international recruiting you're still the owner of europe's elite how did that come about i know it was you and another former colorado player but was it when you were playing or when you made the transition into coaching that you decided you know there is talent over here that is untapped and that is not getting the exposure because i know that's the big the big mo that you have is just getting the exposure to those athletes but it's definitely a two-way street of um, on your on your podcast, you're talking about, do we need more scouts over here? Do we need better coaches? What, what was the moment when you, you thought in your head, wow, like we've got something that we could work with? Uh, it was in 2000, my first year of coaching in Switzerland as a head coach. And I thought to myself, man, there are more kids who need the opportunity. And after my first year of coaching, there was this kid named Thibaut Dabale. And he's now at Towson University. And I took him, <laughs> I took him with me to America. I was supposed to be having our American wedding because we had our Swiss wedding that fall, and we were supposed to be having our American wedding that summer. So I didn't get a chance to <laughs> practice, have our wedding rehearsal, because I was driving this kid to Penn State. I drove him to Penn State from Maryland. Then I drove him to Towson University. I drove him to any university that would allow me to see it, that would allow us to showcase his skills. So we did the Penn State camp, they loved him. Uh, we did the Towson camp, they loved him. He flew up to UMass, they loved him. And he ended up picking about three or four, uh, picking up three or four offers. And Towson was the school that he chose. And that was really our first experiment. And from then on, you know, we started the website where we post stories on kids, we post stories on coaches. Um, we also have a ranking list where we have prospects who can go on there, sign up, and it's all free for anyone who wants to check it out. And, you know, there are just some huge kids over there, the linemen that, you know, some of these mid-major schools can't get. You can get those kids overseas. 
because for me, in my opinion, you know, the lineman is really the the foundation of that's going to be the base of continue to of to continue that European or international scene to grow. You start off with these linemen because we have all the skilled players here, just to be frank. But you know, their skills positions are developing, but those linemen over there, you're talking about six, five guys who are skiing, you know, so they have that natural bend or they're snowboarding, they have that natural bend, or they're playing handball, you know, so they are coordinated. So you have all those different variables, but they're playing different sports over there. But those linemen there, they're very athletic. And that's kind of how it got started. Tebow was a defensive end and we just do camps. Uh, we did, like I said, we do our whole week long camp. We invite kids from all over Europe to participate. And it's just kind of taking its own life. And uh, our president of the company, uh, Caleb Leach, he lives over there and he's really just been taking it by the reins and, you know, taking it to a whole nother level that I wasn't able to do. So then how did, how did y'all two get connected? Cause y'all, y'all got an awesome rapport, like the two of y'all going back and forth on, on the show that y'all started. So Caleb, <laughs> he reached out to me when he was still in Tennessee. He actually played in Germany and he said, Hey man, I, I want to, you know, become part of what you guys got going on. And I said, Hey, sure. You know, no problem. And he came over and it was kind of right at the, it was, you know, he was in the right place at the right time. And he's just been my right hand man. It's like my little brother. And he just loves international football. He loves talking to the kids. He's such a people person. He's way more of a people person than I am. Um, he has that, you know, charismatic, you know, go get, go get her attitude. And he just, just loves it. So we've just been grinding away and trying to find different ways to get these kids exposure, whether that's doing interviews with them or trying to do stuff with the inter, the NFL international program. Um, just anything that you can think of, you know, we've been trying to collaborate and see how can we get the most exposure for these kids. With COVID, I, I, obviously it's, it's hurt everybody, but how have y'all adapted to the virtual side of things? <laughs> COVID has definitely been a difficult thing to try to get through, but I think it has shown everyone of new ways to communicate, new ways to get better. Um, we did a virtual combine uh, with a company called GMTM, where kids can go in there and post their highlight videos and post their 40 yard dashes and their three cone drills. And we've really tried to do as many interviews as possible. We, we started the podcast. We're talking about international football. Um, you know, we were we wanted to do a lot of events this year, but we couldn't do that. But we're planning on 2021 to do more events over there. Uh, but that's basically how we adapted. And Zoom has, of course, been <laughs> very helpful. Uh, we've done a bunch of free clinics for the coaches over there where we had uh, special guest college NFL coaches talk talk ball with those guys over there because they're just kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to coaching. And I think once that coaching keeps getting better, the players will continue to get better better as well. How was that? Because I, I know you've talked in a couple of interviews where uh, you said something along the lines of you spent just as much time coaching your coaches as you did your players because they didn't know ball. <laughs> yeah, so – I mean, <laughs> when I was in Germany and that my first year in Germany, 
I had a coach and I was like, you know, how do you label your linebackers? You know, who's the Will, who's the Sam, da da da. And he goes, Will, Sam, like, no, we number our linebackers. We use a numbering system. I said, excuse me, what? <laughs> we use a numbering system, Mark. That's linebacker number one, that's linebacker number two, linebacker number three. I said, okay, all right, you know, sure. You know, <laughs> and it, it's, it's funny because they'll teach that to their guys and their guys that grow up thinking like that, you know, and it's, it's hard to imagine, but they're just behind the eight ball. There haven't been guys to really come over there and show them, Hey, you know, this is how we're doing it in America. You know, this is the the new wave, you know? So <clears throat> now guys are just starting to run RPOs over there. You know, they're just, they're just now starting to go in with, you know, a, a, a can play where they're calling two plays and then they're, you know, checking to another play based off the defense, you know, and it's just very interesting to, to see the game grow and to see how guys are finally starting to reach out. Because I think one of the biggest things, like I said, if people asking what they don't know or saying, hey, I don't know this. And I kind of contributed to or compared to when I was learning how to speak German, you know, people would say, hey, you're not scared to talk. I'm like, no, man, I'm not, I'm not scared to talk, you know, because if I don't know, hopefully someone will correct me. And that's why they usually say teach your kids a different language when they're younger because they aren't scared to make mistakes. And I think that's the biggest thing about coaches and in, in life, you know, you're scared to make mistakes, but you have this kid who's, you know, he's trying to learn English and German. He's going to just talk, 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 you know, until you tell him what's right and what's wrong. So it's great that COVID happened because it's forcing coaches to communicate with one another. You know, it's forcing coaches to join a free Zoom class and, and learn about coverages and how you read defenses or how you adjust your, your offense. So I, I think it's a, a great COVID has its great moments as well. Yeah, because it like creates this space and like, hey, I don't have anything better to do with my time so I can try this out and see if it works and, and learn something I didn't know. From the recruiting angle, we have a lot of uh, recruiting directors, recruiting assistants, GAs, coaches, people involved in the game. What's a, I, I don't know if this is a fair question to ask, but could you give us a kind of recruiting international players 101 where did we even get started because that's the it's a scary thing because you just don't know anything about it um mm -hmm. the comfortable thing is okay like i'm going to recruit my four hour radius around my university i'm going to recruit the area that i know with the connections i know but where did do, where does the recruiting department get started well you can check out yourselite.com that's <laughs> number one um but I would say the countries that are more developed in football internationally, definitely Germany, Austria, Sweden, and then you throw France in there. Um, and it's funny to say, it's kind of like the States. We know if we want to get some of the faster guys, you know, we go to Florida, you know, we, if you want a little bit of everything, you can go to Texas, California, you want your big country boys, you know, you go Midwest, you know what I mean? Just depending on what type of offense you run um, or defense you run. And it's kind of the same thing in Europe. If you go to France, you'll you'll get a lot of speed. You know, you'll, you'll have your, your fast twitch guys in France. 
in Austria, you have guys who are very well coached and you'll have a little bit of both. In Germany, you'll have your big body guys and you might get some of those guys who are uh, half American because, you know, we have a bunch of military bases in Germany. So you, you have some guys who can run as well and some guys with big size. Now, when you go to the Nordic regions, like in Norway, Sweden, uh, Denmark, you're going to find some big, big Viking blood type guys up there, you know, who have those big bodies up there. So that's where you want to start. And then you just really want to try to reach out to different guys and see, you know, what they know far as far as football wise. Are they one of the traditional clubs who have put out talent or who have very well coached or who are very well coached? Because most guys don't know that some of those clubs have way more money than the others. So they're able to pay a coach full time for the whole year and have them on a two or three year contract versus other teams who bring in what they call an import, what is an American player. And that American player is there for the season and he helps coach the club to get better. So clubs who have those coaches that have been there for a long time, uh, they usually have more better coach players. And then now you have the NFL Academy up there in the UK where, you know, they're trying to be like the IMG of Europe, which is something very great for football out there. Okay. So the main thing is like, first you got to figure out like what type of coaching they're getting, what type of development they're getting. We got the bigs in Germany, the well-coached kids in Austria, speed in France, more bigs in Sweden. From an events standpoint, what's the plan next year? Um, is it just more combine setting uh, type deals? So usually we do about 10 to 15 combines throughout the year or one day events. Um, and we do that as kind of just to showcase their skills and update their stats on our website. And then during the summertime, uh, that first or second week of July, next year will be July 16th through the 23rd, we call what's the level up camp. And that's our week long event where we have about 300 to 350 kids come from all over Europe. Uh, we had kids come from Africa and Asia as well. And they come for a week and they get coached by our special guest coaches and coaches all around Europe. Uh, we invite college coaches to come as well. It's a great opportunity to recruit there in Europe, a great opportunity for guys to come and get better. And it's a opportunity for those guys to see what it's like to attend a training camp in America. Because for you, you guys who don't know, they practice maybe two, maximum three times a week in Europe. And that's just not enough when you're comparing to the hours and hours of practice and preparation that guys are putting here in the state. So kind of the, the fear is, you know, are they ready for that workload? And I think, and I know our camp really prepares them or shows them if they really got it. And you can really see those guys who stand out, you know, at our events. This is awesome stuff, just as far as bringing a level of awareness to, to what y'all are doing out there and to what the coaches out there are doing, you know, at the end of the day. For the people listening to the show, like what's some words of advice for a young coach that's trying to climb the ladder, trying to climb the ranks, because it is easy to kind of get focused on like a destination instead of embracing like what you talked about earlier, the journey. Um, what's some lasting kind of advice for, for those people listening to the show? I would say if you're trying to move up in the ranks, first, firstly, 
just do the job that you have to the best that you can. You know, focus on the job you have at hand. We tend to sometimes, you know, look too much further to the future and say, okay, how can I position myself to be here, to be there? But just do your job that you have right now because there are plenty of people who want your job right now, you know? And that's the same thing with uh, recruiting. And we tell these kids, hey, you know, there's somebody out there trying to outwork you. And that's the same thing with us that I think we sometimes take for granted. You know, there's someone out there who wants my job. There's someone out there who wants your job, coach. And, you know, we kind of got to realize that and reel it back in, you know, and say, hey, let me do my job the best that I can. You know, opportunities will come. Now, when that opportunity does pre present itself, you know, kick that freaking door down you know, be persistent. You know, when, when there is opportunity, when you say, hey, okay, it's the off season, it's my time to network, be persistent, text, text those guys and call those guys. But at the same time, you know, build relationships with guys, not for just when you want a job, you know, build a genuine relationship with someone. Maybe you guys might have something in common. And if you don't have something in common, that's fine as well, you know, but build a genuine relationship with coaches, you know, and the, the biggest thing that I would say is out of every ex experience you have, man, don't do not never burn a bridge, never, never burn a bridge because that can hurt you in so many ways. You know, never, ever burn a bridge, no matter what the situation, you know, if you didn't like a situation, take that as, hey, those are some things that I know I do not want to do if I'm ever putting that opportunity. Not, hey, this guy's that, this guy's that. Hey, that's something that I wouldn't have done. He did it this way, but I'm taking my mental notes. I'm not going to do it that way. I'll do it differently. Don't take it personal. Just yeah. take it into mental inventory of like, okay, this is how not to do things. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. So I, I think those are the biggest things for me. Like I said, I, I and I'll be honest, my first year at Colorado, I mean, I was pissed I wasn't playing. I felt that I should have been playing but it didn't work out. I thought about transferring, but I didn't transfer. My dad said, hey, no, you chose there, stick it out. And that's, that's the thing, you know, don't burn a bridge. I could have easily burnt that bridge at my university and I know for sure I wouldn't be in the position that I am right now. That's the adversity. That's the thing where I was just so pissed at myself and so pissed at, you know, the situation that I thought I should have been playing. But look what happened. I got opportunity somewhere else, same team, but I got the opportunity to showcase my skills at a different position. And there are plenty of times where that, that has happened to me and you can't just tuck your tail and run, man. Put your head down, 10 toes down and keep, keep trucking, you know, keep chopping and just keep trying to get better. Forge in the fire. No pressure, <laughs> exactly. no diamonds, right? Uh-huh, exactly. Where can our listeners uh, find and follow your work and all the things that you've got going on? Uh, you can follow me on, on Twitter, uh, Coach Harrington. Uh, also, we have a podcast, The Morning Sessions. You can check that out. And then EuropeSelite.com. Um, we have all these international athletes. And anybody can just reach out to me. I'm pretty good about getting back to people. I try to be at least when I can. Um, and if I don't, just keep messaging me and, and I'll try to get back to you guys. Um, and I think it's our duty as the higher we get um, in this profession, it's our duty to give back and it's our duty to, you know, tell people the mistakes we made so they don't make it. No doubt, no doubt.
This was really cool, man. And uh, I can second that Evan gets right back to people because within like 24 hours, he called me. So thank you again for taking time out of your morning to, to get on the show and uh, look forward to staying in touch, man. No doubt, man. I appreciate you. See you, Evan. All right.